Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, well, it's the first Friday of the month, so that means Dr. Alessandra Duke is stopping by the show to co-host with Sunny, and a lot's happened in the last month. And well, the two of them will be covering a lot, from handling huge personal losses to handling other people's opinions. That's all coming up next on Sunny in Seattle. And now I welcome your hosts for the day, Sonny Joy McMillan and Dr. Alessandra Duke. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm one of your hosts, Sunny Joy McMillan. And hello, I'm Dr. Alessandra Duke. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, so the show's here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW. But of course, we always do First Fun Friday as co hosts here today. <laughs> <laughs> because so, we never came up with a different name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll still be working on that, yeah. I guess. But either way you cut it, it's radio that positively shines. The show archives you can always find at 1150kknw.com. Connect with me on Facebook. I'm there by my name. But we also have that show page, Sunny in Seattle Radio, on Facebook. And if you follow that, you will always be notified of who is coming up on the show on any given week. Um, and my website for my business is goldenoversoul.com. And Alessandra, what about you? It's alessandraduke.com or seattleladybosses.com. Oh, yeah. So what do, um, you tell people a little bit about what that is? Yes. Seattle Lady Bosses is a group that I started. Um, it's for uh, women entrepreneurs and small business owners in the Seattle area. You can be on any stage or any point in your journey of entrepreneurship. Uh, it is a group of women that comes together every month over wine and snacks, and it's it's like I tried to make it a non-networking, networking gathering. You have done that beautifully. Yes, I always you. say that. Yeah, I don't even take business cards anymore, which is probably mm-hmm. silly, but it just never occurs to me because yeah. I go to get my cup refilled, not to pass around a bunch of business cards that everyone will go home and recycle. Yes. And people have said, like, even without bringing their business cards, without showing up as their kind of business persona, that they've gotten more business, more clients, more Mm -hmm. connections from that group than any other of the networking groups that they're paying big bucks for. So, yeah. So check out SeattleLadyBosses.com. I blog about things. Yes. Talk about things. She does. I actually wanted to tell you, I forgot to respond to the, you sent a newsletter this week. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I really do you actually do you want to speak about that for a second? Because sure. I, I, I just liked you got really honest. And <laughs> I thought it was I really love that you shared that. That's one of the things I think that attracts people to you is you are sharing your journey vulnerably, vulnerably mm-hmm. as you are living it. Yeah. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so one of the, you know, the main things, uh, you know, beyond even coming together for Lady Bosses is showing up in a spirit of vulnerability and authenticity. And it's really important for me um, that people are able to, you know, pursue their passions and things that they want to be doing, the the dreams that they want to be living, but also that they're able to talk about the hardship that happens. And I'm I'm really interested in the fusion of entrepreneurship and mental health and really being open and honest about those things. Um, So in my newsletters that I send, I do tend to – I, I want it to be vulnerable. You know, I want to walk my talk. So um, so I am just consistently writing about what's going on for me because I find that people are saying, okay, that's so normalizing. So, for example, this recent newsletter that Sunny's talking about, 
um, I was open about the fact that I had my big New Year's New Year's audacious big goal was to contact this really popular book agent that I had had my eye on. I had I had this idea for a book that I um, I've I've written parts of. You know, I've done an outline for it, and I I had heard her on a podcast, and um, just had been following her work, and I thought, oh man, she would love this work that I'm doing. I think I will write her and she will think this is amazing. (laughs) And she will say, oh my gosh, this is the book I've been searching for, right? And contact me and I would have a great book deal. So we know that statistically that's probably not likely, but I just had anticipated because it was such a great idea Mm -hmm. that that would happen. (laughs) Um, But she did not say that. And she got back to me after several weeks and said, you know, that my idea didn't stand out or she didn't know how that would stand out from other books in the industry. And um, and that that publishers really were only interested in people who had a really significant following. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I think I do have a significant following. I love I love my lady bosses. I told her all about lady bosses, you know, and I yeah. thought that I feel like the work that I'm doing is really important. And I disagree. I think that the idea stands out. So <laughs> But I don't, what I said in the newsletter, I mean, she's got the magic wand in the publishing industry. I don't yeah. have the wand right now. Um, but I, I was open with the fact that it's it's one thing to see it as like, okay, I tried and maybe we should just like chuck this whole idea. Maybe it's just not a good idea. But instead I chose to see it as like, cool, a publishing agent rejected me. Yeah. That means... I'm in the game. You're on your way to being J.K. Rowling with all of yes. her rejection letters with her manuscript. Yes. Yes. I need to print it out and frame <laughs> it because this woman who I really respect, like, sorry, the respect has not gone, even uh-huh. though she's, you know, rejected me, uh-huh. um, you know, turned me down. And it makes me think, OK, that means that I am taking risks and trying to play a bigger game. And yeah. I said in the newsletter, you know, if you, you know, if you're not experiencing, you know, that the basically the easiest way to remain safe and to avoid those kinds of rejections is to never take any risks, mm-hmm. to never try to play bigger. We mm-hmm. can stay really, really safe that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that sounds a lot more tempting than mm-hmm. putting yourself out there and being rejected. So that was what I talked about in the most recent newsletter. And, um, and it was very, very vulnerable. And I yeah. found myself like, how is this going over? Is anyone responding? But I've found that the responses have come sort of more quietly and over time, slowly. Yeah. 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 Sorry. And mine is today on yeah. live on air. Oh, people <laughs> have a lot going on. I've got it flagged all week. Yeah. Do you feel like I summarize the newsletter well? Sometimes I write these things and I. Oh, no. Okay. They're always amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, they're, I, you know, we get inundated with so many emails if you sign up for. I need to go through and like unsubscribe from a bunch of lists. So I feel like everybody gets inundated these days if you're not really diligent about managing your inbox. Mm -hmm. But yours is one of the ones that always comes through that I'm like, yes, I need to read that and I flag it. Yeah. And sometimes I remember to respond. Others I have not yet. (laughs) But I will say, you know, on that note, just for anybody out there listening, this is such a good example. And one of the mentors that I have been following, she was one of my master coach instructor. She's been with Martha Beck. She was one of the original crew. Her name is Susan Hyatt. Um, and she, um, I just, she's very, well, she lives very openly. I mean, she's got like Facebook, she's on there all day, every day. So you really see her journey, whether that's crying because something didn't go well mm-hmm. or her fabulous, you know, trip to Amsterdam that she's on right now or something with her kids. 
So she has not been shy about the fact that she wanted to write a book. She coaches women. She has a couple of different programs. One of them is called Bear, and it's all about um, – she used to be a weight loss coach, but I don't think that's how she would describe herself now. Now mm-hmm. she teaches – I think it's basically a version, and I apologize, Susan, if this is grossly mischaracterizing <laughs> your work, but from what my observation is – She teaches women to eat intuitively by loving themselves first and foremost Mm -hmm. and filling their cup with pleasure in other ways than going to the fridge and eating mindlessly. Like really paying attention to who you are, loving yourself, and then listening to what your body wants, whether that's, um, you know, a nice glass of wine, a bubble bath, going to bed at 9 p.m. every night, good sex, like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, really loving your body and and living in it. Mm -hmm. So... She's had this, like, she's been certifying coaches. She's got over 10,000 or 15,000 followers on on social media. Um, so she has a pretty large following. And she had this manuscript for this book. And she shopped it around to multiple agents mm-hmm. and got rejected by, I, I would say it was over 10 to 20 mm-hmm. that she sent mm-hmm. this out to. And she, I remember a Facebook post where she was very upset during this yeah. time. And what she did was... You know, let herself grieve a little bit over that, mm-hmm. picked herself up and thought, you know what, if my following is not big enough yet, if I haven't created enough to make this book worthy of agents taking notice and the manuscript mm-hmm. getting noticed, I'm going to create my own audience. Mm-hmm. So she created a whole new Facebook community around it. She had a bunch more women engaged. She's been certifying mm-hmm. more coaches. And she's just, she was like, you know what, I'm just going to create it myself. Yeah. So within... I don't know if it was six or eight months, something like that. She started shopping it around again, and she sent it to this one particular agent. And she, I think she ended the email with like a um, Beyonce is one of her biggest heroes. <laughs> ended it with a Beyonce, uh, and I'm going to say GIF or JIF. Mm-hmm. I never know what yeah. is the right way. Mm-hmm. And this agent was like, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. And they shopped that manuscript around. It got rejected by publisher after publisher. Once she had that agent that she had worked so hard to get. Finally, finally, at the tail end, she got a publisher with one of the bigger houses. And she has a, they were just doing a photo shoot for the cover. But this was like a several year process. And man, she was not willing to give up on that thing. And she, I loved that she put the journey on Facebook. So I just, you know. There's something to that vulnerability, I think, you know. And I just think it's really interesting, you know, and we don't need to get into this. But I mean, as you're talking about the 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 message is like you need to have enough of a following and I just think like oh my gosh great writers like E.E. E. Cummings didn't have a following right. an insta following right. you know but now I mean things are just different they and are I you know I, I was open in my newsletter about social media is not my thing yeah I mean so it doesn't help me that I don't really like it and here <sighs> I am talking about meaning authenticity um connecting with people in person in this book and I but the thing is, I need to have a bigger online following. Well, so it's just a little. That you know. may, that that could, for the way I think for the main channels to get to a traditional publishing, publishing house, my understanding is these days they do want a large following, whether that's social yes. media or email list or some YouTube, whatever, um, because they know that they can depend on selling a certain number yes. of books. Yes. But there are people who make it through that process that don't have the following occasionally. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like. Don't just, I mean, don't, I'm talking to you, <laughs> Alessandra. 
don't give in to that's just the way it is. Because there are, I just remember like Martha Beck's, the book that put her on the map was her Mm -hmm. memoir of Expecting Adam. And she said, of course, she had no following. She was, you know, from this small family in Utah. You know, her parents were professors at a Mormon college. And um, she came out of academia and had three kids under the age of six or whatever. So she's working on this manuscript while she's trying to do her dissertation. It was just, it was a nightmare the way she describes like this time in her life, how stressful it was. So then the book finally, it's, it gets published. And she says she's doing this book tour and she's at all these bookstores and they're just like nothing but like a Wolverine in the very back of the room in these remote <laughs> places. And she flopped down on the bed after this one trip. It was just like, I give up. I give up. Like, there's no way. My book is never going to sell. Nobody's, I'm in debt. I'm never going to be a writer. And shortly thereafter, her book was somehow on the desk in this PR firm or some type of a marketing company in um, D.C. And this woman who was very connected in Washington and a big power player there in a bunch of different circles, Mm -hmm. happened to stumble into this colleague's office. And on the desk was this memoir called Expecting Adam. And she said she read the subtitle or the flap copy on the back, and it said something about raising or uh, expecting Adam, you know, her child with Down syndrome. And Mm -hmm. she had no interest in it, but still found herself sitting down in this colleague's chair and reading the book. And she was called Martha or emailed, contacted her thereafter and said, I'm going to put this book on the map, basically. And she did. She worked. And now the book, like, yeah. that's how it exploded. So it's just like. Yeah. You just never you know. You don't know. Right? You don't. And I just think you just, if you believe in something, which I do, you got to, you got to keep, you got to keep going. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because, because why not? Right. Right. It's one of those things where I think it's like, if you get to the end of your life and you think, I, I would regret, I would regret if I didn't at least try. Exactly. Even if that means 10 more rejections and people don't yeah. think it's a great idea. Yeah. I do. I'd regret not trying. Heck because, yeah. And I've even thought, um, there, there is this woman that I really love. Um, her name is um, Kara Alwill-Leba. I don't know her. Um, she's great. And she she wrote this book called Girl Code, which is about um, women's entrepreneurship. And she does it in such a way that it's just, it's kind of like real talk, Uh, how you get through kind of the bare bones of like starting a business, going out on your own, all Mm -hmm. of these kinds of things. And she's got like some underpinnings of, um, you know, spirituality throughout that, you know. Um, But she, you know, she decided to self-publish after just getting rejected, you know, all of these years and had been pushing her book herself Mm -hmm. for years and years and years. And um, it was so sweet. She had, she posted a picture in her newsletter um, of herself last year, a publisher after, I don't know if it's, Uh, I might be saying this wrong, like five, six years of just promoting this book herself and working so hard, Mm -hmm. building her own audience that a publisher finally picked it up, re-released it for her and is helping her, you know, have a second book out on the shelves. And so she I mean, she looked like she was in tears standing there at Barnes and Noble. You know, she had worked for this moment, but she never quit. And I'm so glad. I mean, she actually was my entry in into this like entrepreneurship and why I started Lady Bosses. Yeah, she's kind of my gateway drug. (gasps) Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm mad at her for that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, had I never read your book? But I would just be a psychologist in private. Exactly. I could just mind my business and be a psychologist. I wouldn't be. I I would be very sad if that is how things had worked out. I would have never met you. Exactly. I wouldn't be here. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The journey, the journey to the journey with all the rejection letters and the journey to the Barnes and Noble floor, whatever that is. 
um, just peppered with all kinds of good connections yes. and things that never would have happened. So. Well, and I think you do such a great job also, Sunny, of being you know, really vulnerable about your process, the, your behind the scenes process. And not everybody gets to hear that. And I think that, you know, so often we see just like, oh, oh people are doing well. Sunny looks great. She's got this Guys. book or whatever, right? <laughs> Let me and tell you. I think it's so helpful <laughs> that you're so open, you know, about the process. I think it allows other people to be more inspired and to have their experiences normalized. So I've always appreciated that about you too. Yeah, well, no, I, I thank you. And I would say to that, I the mentor, the coach that I'm working with now, I just adore her. And I have never met someone who is, I have, she is by far the most no filter share. <laughs> she never, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, betrays confidence, but everything about her life, oh my gosh, she's just out there. And we, I was on a call with her this week with a group and she was saying someone was really upset because they were, you know, they they had a lot of bills coming due. They were living on credit cards at that point to get their business off the ground. And, um, you know, the, I different people have different opinions on that. I I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't, whatever works mm-hmm. for you, just do. I've heard pros and cons <laughs> either way. Is that a way. Texas thing? I don't have a dog in that <laughs> oh, fight. Oh, God, probably because dog fighting is still a thing in the freaking South. Anyway, oh, sorry, I shouldn't I even use that. that. One. Yeah. yeah, right. It's amazing. Ugh, anyway, um, so sorry, I should. I really need to. I was thinking about this the other night. I need to look at the origins of the phrases that I just use that are commonplace that I've grown up with because so many of yeah. them are like violently racist and I had no idea <laughs> about them. So anyway, I'm I'm going to be more deliberate on that. <laughs> In any event, what was I even talking Okay, so she was saying, do you know an entrepreneur? You need an assistant to keep track of all this stuff. Oh yeah. I would feel For so heaven's sake. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, triage list. Find yeah, out what phrases I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, um, but she's so, so. Let me back up. There's this fabulous NPR podcast called "How I Built This" with Guy I Raz. Love that podcast. Oh my gosh, yes. you guys! If you are an entrepreneur and you are not listening to this, I'm so sorry. You're lost. Like this is what keeps me going <laughs> because there are people like I was listening to Richard Branson last week. And who knew he was a high school dropout? And then he talks about all these times where, like when his banker is at his door and he owes, you know, he is so, so overextended. And so it's just these inspiring stories of these publicly recognized companies that you know and, and probably frequent and how they got where they are through the best of times and the worst of times. And so my mentor this week was like, do you know any entrepreneur who doesn't have a story when things were, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Do I give up now or do I keep going on faith alone? Mm -hmm. And I think, so I would say from my own personal experience, I can't wait to share more about some of these stories some days. But when I know some of these don't have a full conclusion yet, but I can already see the ending. But you know, those moments, like I've had moments where I'm sitting there and I've got like an electric shut off notice in one hand Mm -hmm. and I've got like, am I going to make this investment in myself and keep going in the other hand? I'm like, you know what? I'm all in, baby. I don't have a plan B. Like, this is it. And fine. It is. I now, I can breathe a little bit easier. Things are definitely moving. But you guys, Mm. there's been so many moments where it has not been easy. Yeah. Where you just think, why? Why am I doing this? (laughs) I should stop right now. I know, right? Yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm I'm this. I'm in it. I wouldn't say in it to win it because I don't want that to sound like I feel like I need to vanquish or conquer or have some empire. But no, I'm in this 
until I see it through to its completion. And it is yes. not complete yet. It is it is gloriously incomplete. Yes. So. <laughs> well, and I even love, I mean, as you're, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about this one time during grad school. I'm the first in my my immediate family to go to college and then the first in all the family to go as far as I did in grad school right but I was in grad school and I had these creditors after me because oh, I'm just trying to go to grad school and I'm making this measly you know graduate yes. assistantship pay or whatever oh, and all of a sudden I can't afford anything and I didn't calculate right and they did all you know it was still when it was legal to do all kinds of scare tactics and so there was a creditor had a sheriff come oh. to my workplace. I'm a graduate student. I'm 23 years old. And I've got okay. a sheriff delivering me orders. <sighs> and I'm looking at the other option. Do you keep going to school? You know, I hope you looked at him and you're like, I hope you are ashamed of yourself <laughs> yes. for doing this to a bored, starving graduate student who's just trying to better herself. <laughs> well, and I thought that would have been a perfect moment to just give up, like yeah. to believe the narrative of like, you're right. I don't deserve an education. Oh. I shouldn't even be trying, which was what I was fighting against. Oh. And there was, you know, and when sheriffs are coming to your office and your boss is saying, we got this notice for you, you know, and I, I feel like now I would easily look at that sheriff and be like. I can't believe you. Yes. Do you know what you're doing? Yes. But at the time, I just was scared. Of course. Oh, oh, so painful. But those are those dis- decision moments, right? Oh, okay, let me ask you this then, because I know my process in those moments where I get scared first and I panic and then maybe I cry a little and then I sleep on it. I always mm-hmm. sleep on it before I do anything. Mm-hmm. But how, for the decision point for you, mm-hmm. how did you make that decision to, and this is, oh, this is such a perfect example of what Gay Hendricks talks about, that upper thermostat limit where you were hitting that limit at that point of what you how much goodness you would allow in your Mm -hmm. life how much you believed you deserved Mm -hmm. how did you go past and expand beyond that threshold and stay in school Mm -hmm. and not believe that narrative that you'd been fed since you were little yeah I think it's like I felt I just had this feeling of like I knew I could quit school quitting was an option of course but I just thought I just can't. I'm, I had moved halfway across the country. I had really invested myself in it. I wanted I wanted grad, uh, grad school education so badly. Mm-hmm. And I think I had, then I sort of ran on spite a little bit because I had enough guidance counselors and adults tell me that I couldn't make it in education. They didn't believe that I could do it. So I just felt like, I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And it felt like if I colluded with these creditors at that time that I that I'd be colluding with that that fear and that disbelief in me and I couldn't stomach that I just couldn't I had enough spite to be like screw you you can take my car you can threaten me you can do all that I was am I allowed to say that um I was (laughs) (laughs) Benny's like whatever um He's not normally like what if it was a bad word, he would not be like whatever. Um, I was yeah, I was I was terrified and I remember feeling very scared, but I I thought I just kept reality checking like there's nothing they can do to me. They can't physically harm me. And no matter what, they can't take away what I've learned. They can't take away like my education and what's inside my head. They can keep threatening me, but they can't they can't get in, you know. So they can threaten to turn my lights off, they can threaten to take my car. But ultimately, I decide, I, I get to decide if I want to keep learning and I want to keep growing. And I did. I love that. Don't collude with the fear. That's, yeah. that's my favorite thing yes. you said there. Yeah. 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 And not aligning. I didn't want to align with those stories of 
people's disbelief in me, you know? I love that. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of strength. It really does. I think it was, uh, (laughs) I think I also just was a little bit traumatized by the whole experience. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And school was a a little bit of a safe haven too, you know? Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to pay them off, but I I knew I could just keep going to school. Yep. Yeah, and that, that makes me think when you said that you had enough spite for you to keep going, yeah. I will just point out this reminds me of what Abraham Hicks talks about that, you know, and, and also Dr. David Hawkins um, calibrated human emotions as well. So if you think about the scale, like at the very bottom is, you know, uh, shame and apathy, and at the very top is like joy and love, mm-hmm. and everything else is kind of in between. So you've got emotions like anger righteous anger. Mm. And a lot of people think that's a bad emotion. But you know what? When you've come from apathy at the very bottom mm-hmm. and you were able to go to frustration and from frustration, you go to anger and mm-hmm. anger puts you into action. That yes. is a really good pivot point to get to the next emotion up on that scale. Mm-hmm. And now where would you say, like, if you were to encounter that, like what what emotion or where would you be to be able to keep going now mm-hmm. versus back then where it was spite? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I think it would be... Um, like perseverance. Okay. You know, like yeah. I might just be like, okay, wow. Yeah. That, you know, just, just, I think really accepting like this is happening and it doesn't have to be, there's more, there's more acceptance. Like it might be, it might be anger about their approach. Right. But not that it has anything to do with me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely mm-hmm. does. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, do you think this is a good stopping point for our break, or do you have anything more on that? No, we can stop, and then I know that you've got some things that you want to yeah, make sure you talk we're, about. we're going to yeah. be switching gears in kind of a big way, because we just dive, <laughs> dove, dive, dove, whatever it is. Deep doved. Deep doved right in. <laughs> <laughs> Entrepreneurial Plunged. struggles. Yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneurial and life yeah. Yeah. struggles. Yes, yes. So yeah. we'll be ta- we will be, we will be uh, coming back with some more life struggles that I just feel like, you know, this is our moment to be real about where we are and I feel like our audience follows you know along as our lives progress so yeah. I have some stuff that I'll be sharing um, so you are listening to Sunny in Seattle I'm Sunny Joy and Alessandra Duke and of course Benny on the board Hello. Benny. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and we will be back in just a few are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life if you're anything like me you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available for pre-order today on Amazon.com. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. 
After countless tries to find healing for a devastating low back pain, Dr. Andy Marone met with his mentor and discovered a balance and clarity he never thought possible. He left his job as a software engineer and began a lifelong journey of learning the power of quality chiropractic care and enzyme nutrition and never looked back. He believes in not just treating pain, but removing roadblocks and paving the way to a happy and healthy life. Join Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner, Mondays from 9 to 10 a.m. on Seattle's Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. It is First Friday with uh, co-host Dr. Alessandra Duke. Hello. And me, Sunny Joy. Um, so before the break, that was really, we're saying that was a really fun 30 minutes. <laughs> you were on. Yeah, that was unplanned, <laughs> unscripted. Which, well, actually, this is as, uh, I think I've shared this before, but you know, I, I always am a big, uh, I'm, I tend to over-prepare. Mm-hmm. And so for our shows, it's been a fun experiment. It's all just a grand experiment. Mm-hmm. If I panic, uh, Benny is always here to save the day since he was an on-air personality for many years. So mm-hmm. yeah, he knows what he's doing. So that's because wait 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 I'm just because I'm an on air personality. No, but I'm saying you could carry the show for days like by yourself. Like you can handle it. (laughs) Oh yeah, right. If Sunny starts kind of stumbling her way through something, you just chime right. Oh, I thought you meant me individually. Like, well, I guess I could jump in, but I don't think I could do what you do. No, but I've been on this side too long. Oh, I don't know about that. You know all the. Oh, hi everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say today. Kill some time here. Well, let's give out that phone over again. And again. <laughs> Seriously. See? I would tune in just for that. Would you want? <laughs> and then click. <laughs> right. I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta this go fill up the show car. is amazing. <laughs> I gotta go fill up the car. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, yeah, so I, <laughs> well, okay, all that to say, clearly I feel comfortable in the studio because if I ever, you know, go into panic mode, Benny is always I see what there. you're coming. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but anyway, we've been experimenting with no script. And today was like absolutely, I, I, as Alessandra was arriving, I had about five little, little tiny yeah. notes here on my page. Anyway, so. I saw you hustling, you know, yeah, as I walked up. Of course. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe the experiment for next time will be. And you want to know when she showed up? <laughs> oh, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> was she later than she her usual about hour? About the same time. No, oh. I was 7.30 today. Ah, yeah. got her to say it. Oh, wow. Yeah. She didn't need to hustle. Oh. I was already up there. Yeah. Oh, well, no, but I just, I'd been working on some other things. So. Well. You it, catch up while you're here. That's why funny, she gets it though, It's mm-hmm. been quite the evolution, even those, like, five lines that you've got on your paper. I mean, from the very first time <laughs> oh, yeah. when we first met, you had a whole page yeah, yeah. scripted out. Versus Alessandra, who just rolled in with her purse and whatever yeah. and had not one single page or hey, are you the producer yeah give me a cup of coffee yeah, where's my chair that does sound like her yeah. <laughs> yes ma'am it is true though i'm like i get here i have no notes and i'm like where's the coffee oh, yeah, right? okay i'll be right back so yeah. this has been very so, good for me yes um yeah so the few notes that i did have yeah so it's been well so that was a fun Yes. that we did go on. Yes. But yeah, the but few... tell us about what you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, this, and I will just say at the outset, for those of you guys who follow Brene Brown, I love um, her take on, she doesn't share stories that she hasn't healed on yet. So she shares it with a very close circle that she feels comfortable, especially if it's something to do with shame. 
Um, and then make sure that she's healed enough when she decides to share it with her larger audience. So I will just say what I'm about to share, there are some parts that are still very raw for me, but I also feel like I love this show because I feel like um, it's a fun a fun experiment for mm-hmm. me to be to live openly and see, like test those boundaries of how open I can be and it still mm-hmm. feel good and yeah. learn that way. Um, yeah, so for those of you who have been following the show for a while, um, you know that I am divorced, and I also had a, an extremely close relationship with my amazing ex-husband. He is a man that I adored, and um, just our what happened in the like the last four years post-divorce with forgiveness and amends between the two of us. Like it just it was the biggest blessing of my life. And uh, I would call him. He would call me. You know, we'd talk several times a month. Generally, I would visit him every time I was in Austin. I went and stayed there two weeks last summer while Mm -hmm. he was having some pretty severe health issues, which leads me to um, I received notice last week of his passing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was it was incredibly rough. I will say his health was is was so severely compromised that I don't necessarily say that what happened surprised me. But, um, yeah, he, he had an accident, so mm-hmm. we'll just leave it at that. But, um, um, but his health was so compromised, not necessarily surprising, but, oh, my gosh, the shock. Mm-hmm. And last week I was a complete wreck. And I may cry on the show today. I will, like, not, I will not uh, go into huge racking sobs as yeah. I was in last week. However, um, I will say, you know, it is still raw. But I wanted to talk about this because I am still processing it mm-hmm. and how – it, it's in, it's interesting to me to look at how I am handling this loss versus, say, for example, a couple of losses last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some people would find this. I, I've heard a lot of people say that losing an animal is as hard but different than losing yeah. a human. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I agree with that. The, my, the death of my pets last year was, was incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob's passing this year... Um, was difficult in a different way. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I wanted to talk about it on the show this week, oh, thanks. Ben, Benny is always, goodness, oh, he's on Benny it. He just, just brought, brought in some tissues. tissues. Yes, I'm. Pro- hopefully I will not need them. But um, I wanted to talk about it because how we handle personal loss can really affect how we, how how healed we are in the future. Mm-hmm. So let's say it, a couple of years ago, I probably would be drinking pretty heavy right mm-hmm. now, numbing, a lot of buffering, um, perhaps some drug use and all that. And I'm not I, I still drink. I still smoke mm-hmm. weed. I don't care if people know that. <laughs> I mean, but it's like I'm very limited in how I do it and very conscious about it now so that I, you know, so that I keep my inspiration and my you energy up for the day. anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to lie. There may be a day or two when I still sure. use it for that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, and I, But I try to be very aware of it. But what I wanted to say was, um, and I'll use an example here. I had heard, if you guys follow Abraham Hicks, um, and of course, Jerry and Esther, Esther being the one who brings through Abraham, Jerry being her husband of many years. And I will say, looking at their relationship, it I've, I truly believe it was as good as they said it was. Mm-hmm. I feel, you could just feel that yeah, love there. I think so too. And the love is still there, even though Jerry passed several years ago. But what Esther said um, after Jerry's passing was that... Um, their relationship now, post-death, like mm-hmm. several, post-transition, I'll call it that. I don't think there is any death. There's just transition of life into different forms. But 
Um, she was in such deep grief at the very beginning, and which grief is a very heavy emotion. Um, mm-hmm. If you think of us as vibrational beings, we are just little uh, parts and particles that are like little tornadoes of energy at our smallest part or our most uh, fundamental uh, quantum level. And so when you are vibrating in grief, that's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. As opposed to vibrating in joy. Just think how your body feels. You're light and you're mm-hmm. expansive. So Jerry, what she's saying is Jerry had a really hard time reaching her after death because mm-hmm. for a period of time because she was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. When that, when time had passed, she had done a lot of grieving. Um, of course, she was still sad, but she was started to have good days again. And those were the days when Jerry started to come through to her and oh, the yeah. form of, you know, making candle flames like go up when there's no uh-huh. like dance if there's no wind or a book falling off a shelf or lights flickering on and off. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the typical ways that it seems like transition loved ones tend to communicate. You've got a fun yes. story that I want you to tell mm-hmm. Alessandra around your dad. Mm-hmm. Um So I will just say the first few days last week after I learned, it was early last week, I was in shock for the first day. I was uh, inconsolable in some ways in periods for the next couple days. But what I will say is, number one, I reached out for support. I would have withdrawn Mm -hmm. several years ago and done my numbing on my own. I reached out to uh, a couple of very dear friends who Mm -hmm. um, knew Rob well. Um, and we, uh, sh- a couple of them were just, you know, late night calls when I f- was hurting particularly. Uh, and then I also, I have, a, I, this is, I will have to share this. This is just the, the, the mysticism magic of the tapestry that the universe weaves and that we are so, so lovingly supported at all times if we will just freaking allow it. Mm-hmm. So within five minutes of me receiving confirmation about Rob's passing. An energy healer that I work with here in town, her name is Ariel Hubbard. Um, I've worked with her for several years. Um, she is talented in a variety of ways. I'll just call her energy healer as a, over, uh, an umbrella. Within five minutes of Rob's passing, she called and said, Spirit just nudged me to call you. What's going on? Oh, And uh-huh. I was like, what the what? She's wow. never called me. Never in the few years we've worked That's together. Amazing. Never has she called me yeah. within five minutes. And so I went to see her the next day. I cannot tell you how much of a difference that made. I had an appointment with Stephanie Levinston, who you guys Mm -hmm. may know from the show. She's a spiritual channel, um, and her channeling abilities also include mediumship. Um, And we had a session. And I will tell you, Alessandra, that Mm -hmm. while there were moments of so deep grief, my God, I loved him so much, and I miss him in human form. Mm -hmm. Um, Just hearing his voice and, and being able to connect with him because he knows me other than Chase, my current partner. He knows me better than anybody yeah. in this world. Yeah. So, and you know, maybe my parents. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, So um, in any event, the coolest thing happened, and I finally believe when people say, I always thought it was a trite, uh, I don't want to say cliche. I either thought it was cliche or I thought it was limited to people who are actual, you know, trained intuitives. Mm-hmm. But throughout Rob's life, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything I don't think anybody already knows, even in all of his greatest moments of happiness and success on this planet, and my God, he created, I mean, he was a multi, multi-millionaire, and he came from nothing. He created mm. a law firm. He took on uh, huge Fortune 500 companies who were doing 
bad things to people like Aaron Brockovich style. And he created this, this uh, it just created a legacy that's really beautiful around his work. And amidst all that, he was still tormented in a lot of ways. I mean, we all have our demons. He mm-hmm. had his, and I feel like every moment of happiness or success was always clouded in some small degree, sometimes a large degree, mm-hmm. by his demons. And I will tell you, and this is not cliche anymore, mm-hmm. I felt in the few days after his passing, and I feel it now, I feel his presence, mm-hmm. and I feel pure joy, and I feel pure peace. His joy is no longer clouded by mm. the stuff that weighed him down in the human experience, which I fully believe yeah. he signed up for before entering this lifetime mm-hmm. because he wanted those challenges. And that's what we do as souls. We come here to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, But I have felt it. And I even, I will just say for an example, I was getting ready for July 4th, um, going up to the lawn bowling tournament. And I put, um, I had a couple minutes left. I'd been listening to a book on Audible. And I just had a few minutes, and I was like, okay, Rob, I'm just going to put my iPod iPod on shuffle for my entire thousands and thousands of songs on yeah. there. And I said, you make the playlist. And I will tell you, the five songs that played out of all the crap I've got on my iPhone, the, it was just, they were just messages to me. Aww. And the final one, this is where I have to tell you, yeah. I haven't listened to Carla Bruni. She's, um, she was um, the French president, Nicolas Sarkozy. Okay. Anyway, okay. she was a former model. She was his wife mm-hmm. or is his wife. Maybe was. I don't know what the current <laughs> status is. Anyway, she's also a French recording artist. I haven't listened to that album in probably 15 years. And you guys know that um, my partner and I are are feeling drawn to Northern California. Mm-hmm. Of course, Sunny in Seattle is not going anywhere. I will still do this, just like <laughs> Manson Mitchell and and uh, you know Brenda and Rob and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like this is this is one of the highlights of my life. So anyway, I will still do that. But we're looking in Marin County. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> the final song on that playlist, and I don't even remember this song on Carla Bruni's album. But the final song on the little playlist that I believe Rob was was sending through mm-hmm. for me was Salut Marin which means, hello, Marin. Oh. Like, it's just like, are yeah. you freaking kidding? <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing. Anyway, so I just, I bring all this up because I, I want you guys to know what's going on. And I'm, as I refer to Rob now, it will be more probably in some ways past tense. Um, and how I present, you know, I may have to make some changes to the book since it's in final manuscript form now. And um, But I just, I want you guys to know what's going on and I want you to know my process. And I want you to know that when you allow grief, Allow it fully without numbing and buffering and get ask for support from whoever that looks like for you instead of withdrawing. I mean, who knows? Maybe withdrawing will be good for some people. But for me, I know I needed support and I asked for it and I received it. I received mm-hmm. it fully, man. I, re- I, I leaned on people heavily. I canceled appointments, some of them with new clients. But I took care of myself and I will tell you, I can already feel Rob and the joy and the mm-hmm. presence. So... All that to say, um, I I know I'm still going to have waves of grief, yeah. and I'm still going to cry, and I'm going to miss him in human form. And thank God I have, like, my God, whose partner, like, Chase, my God, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. Ah, whose partner would send them down to Texas to take care of an ex-partner? Whose partner would support them, like, in this kind of grief yes. over an ex? Like, I just have to hand it. This is, I mean, ah, yes. good, good, good. Good man. He's a good human. Yes, he is. So yeah. anyway, yeah, so 
yeah, um, I, yeah, I will continue with when the grief arises, but man, when you allow it, it's magical mm-hmm. and it's can be, it can be healing. So, well, okay. And I'm curious, like Sunny, is there anything that you can share about what helped you? Um, cause it sounds like you, you relied on support, you contacted people for help. You mm-hmm. didn't numb out mm-hmm. when you met with a couple of the spiritual practitioners that you yes. did. Was there anything that you did within those sessions that helped you move some of that energy from that heavy grief to a little bit lighter joy? Well, I will say this is where like Ariel, for example, Ariel Hubbard, the energy worker, there are things, this is just the space that she works in. So Mm -hmm. she can see things in my emotional body. She can see things in my energy body that I might know are there, but I don't know how to move. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just acknowledge that there are some people that is their zone of genius. And so ask, being very honest about what's going on. I almost resisted the session with her the next day. I will tell you that. Even though she said, come in and see me tonight. I was like, I can't do that. So I came in the next day. I resisted that. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you get an intuitive hunch or someone mm-hmm. is nudging you, lean into that. Mm-hmm. That was what was, I think I was honest about the help that I needed and yeah. I allowed her to do her work. And then I guess with Stephanie, I, um, yeah, I guess I just let it all out because I was, I was angry about some things. I was sad about others. Mm-hmm. So I was really raw in how I was honest and I was raw when I asked for the help. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I um, allowed them to be in their zone of genius and I asked for the help that mm-hmm. I needed. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Well, yep. and I do think that like you allowing yourself to grieve now and move through that process, like and the waves of grief will probably still come, right? There'll be a moment mm-hmm. where 10 years from now, you'll have a potentially a wave of sadness that comes through Heck when yeah. you're really missing him and, yeah. and sad for how things ended or whatever it is, right? And I think we do that. But when we allow ourselves the chance to grieve, we are that much more healthier when the waves come, right? It's not yeah. this unresolved grief that is still within. Exactly. Within. And I don't know if you notice this in your practice, Alessandra, but I will say I have noticed... And I think this is just the way that our psyches work and the universe works in tandem with our spirit body or our soul. But that when we have an unresolved trauma or unresolved grief, we will, I don't know if it's subconscious, I don't know if it's the universe sending these things, I don't know how this works, but we are sent situations that trigger that again Mm. so that we can resolve it if we haven't Mm -hmm. before. So I feel like we keep getting those nudges along the path, even if you don't do it in a, you know, the best way the first time around. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, I want, do you mind sharing? Cause we're talking, since we're talking about this, cause it's, it's interesting to be able to hold this duality, the duality of me feeling Rob's peace and joy now from the ethereal realm where he is. Mm-hmm. And then on the, the flip side, I miss his human form. I miss his voice. I miss being able to pick up the phone and call if I, mm-hmm. you know, needed something that he's just really good at that kind of a thing. So I hold both of those, but there are these ways also that while we're holding that, I think it can make it easier to strengthen the connection while they're in the ethereal realms. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you always hear, for example, uh, ways that, that, that transition loved ones or, or guides can communicate or through, or I think it's more the transition loved ones on this, but coins, mm-hmm. finding like the bright, shiny coins in random places where they shouldn't mm-hmm. be, yeah. uh, feathers, music, so songs that communicate, um, and uh, electronics mm-hmm. going on and off without them being plugged in, things like that. You have a particular story, and I love stories like this because yeah. I think it gives people hope and validation. Uh-huh. 
with your yeah. dad. Yeah, I was sharing with Sonny that um, my my dad passed some time ago, and my history with him is very complicated. Um, he um, he left in pursuit of fame. He left our me, my family, when I was very young. Um, so it's been pretty complicated. Um, but when he died, I mean, it. I had a whole host of issues mm-hmm. with. Um, and I hadn't put it together yet because I actually found out that he died um, maybe a year or two after. But there had been this um, – we had uh, – I had actually – well, it's a longer story that I'd like to share at another time. Okay. But I'll just share some of the some of the different signs where um, I was having all kinds of issues with electronics, all kinds of like um, – I would get near a computer and it would just – stop working. It would Mm -hmm. short circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, Phones would break on me all the time. Um, People would say, oh, this is our best, you know, our best computer, our best whatever. And it would just shut down when I got near it. So there was something that was like trying, you know, I knew was trying to get my attention. Thanks, by the way, for putting that at bay before you come. Yeah. (laughs) Totally appreciate that. You're welcome. I felt like, I don't know if anybody's seen that movie Powder, where he's got- I love Powder. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. And he's got such a- um, uh, I don't what it is a frequency about him. Mm-hmm. He gets near any kind of electronics and they just blow up. I mean, he's so powerful. He's such yeah. a spiritual force. I'm not saying that I am powder, but that <laughs> is how it felt. It you was, might be. Yeah, I would just walk into a place and it would shut down. And even throughout graduate school, we would have to do you know film our sessions with clients, and my camera would just stop working mid session. <laughs> just I take mean, your free coffee and get out oh of here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know, I know, and I felt You're disrupting cursed. everyone's flow. Yeah. Just but take I the had to leave. do some healing. <laughs> right? Totally, yeah. Man. And he would not He would not let up. Um, <laughs> and this was, you know, I finally went to Arizona where he had passed, and I got his ashes and everything and did some major healing work. And, and the electronics stopped breaking and things after that, which was really a nice relief. But he had come to me in the form. I, I knew it just one day very clearly um, before I knew anything about spirituality with dragonflies in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, a dragonfly had been hovering, and a friend of mine made a joke like, do you know who that is? Because it, it, dragonflies don't just sort of stay near your face. Right. Right? They're kind of floating around doing mm-hmm. their thing. And this one was relentless. And I and I just knew that's my dad. Yep. And so from then on, that's just kind of how he appeared to me. In big life decisions I would make, I'd be sitting there trying to contemplate, sitting, you know, on a rock somewhere, and there'd be this kind of, this like hundred dragonflies just raise up in front of me, oh, you know, and I would Lord. know like, oh, okay, it's okay. This hey, is Dad. where I'm supposed to be, right? <laughs> and so it felt like he and I made a lot of peace. And in his death, I felt closer to him than I had my whole life. And like, I finally had my dad. Like I had oh. the dad who had who, who had left and I felt very closely connected. Um, and then what was interesting, so this is where it gets into the kind of these patterns that you're talking about, is I found out some new information about him, mainly that I had, Two sisters that I didn't oh know that I God. had <laughs> came forward. They found me online and were like, he's also my dad. Like, right? What the what? Yeah, and I was mad. Yeah. I mean, and I've been mad at him probably for the last few years since these women appeared in, in my life. Um, I've just felt mad because it, it interrupted the narrative of like, I'm special. I was his only child. Wow. I, you know, and it's like, no, I wasn't. He, whatever. Well, that's a story for another day. Also, so the <laughs> the dragonflies 
pretty much stopped. It felt like mm. we, he and I were just disconnected and I felt like I lost him again. And oh. But I was back in that heaviness and grieving. Yes, and right? anger too. And anger. Yeah. And like he couldn't appear. And so more recently there's been a series of amazing ways that I've been growing in the last couple of months. Um, and um, And I've felt some peace and some more connection and openness. And sure enough, there's the dragonfly <gasps> has been like fluttering out when I go have my coffee in the morning. I'm feeling a little bit panicked about an upcoming decision that I'm having to make. There's a dragonfly just kind of comes out of nowhere is like floating in before me. And I think he's back. I, Alison, I just have to be really honest and say I've lived here since August of 2012. So what is that? Almost six years. I've not. I can't remember seeing a dragonfly in this area. I'm used mm-hmm. to them in the south, but I don't. Are they that They're common not, up here? I don't see. I think in like around certain uh, lakes or trees oh, or whatever. Water. Yeah, maybe you would see them, but you really don't see a ton of them. So mm-hmm. to me, their sightings are really unique here. And mm-hmm. I just have found it interesting, especially in this last week, um, when some things are shifting in my own life. I've seen it nearly every day. So it's like it's I just feel like, though, that is that shift of energy where he's able to connect with me, where I'm not angry at him. I'm not steeped back in the grief. I am I'm processing like and and working through acceptance of what happened. And then he is back again and able to connect with me. And it's really nice. Yes. Right? I mean, I still am not fully in the joy space with him quite yet, but we're at least reconnecting. Yeah. And it sounds like you showed up. And continued to engage. Mm-hmm. And I really, I love, I can't, I feel so bad because I wanted you to get, because now we've got like one Two. minute left. Um, I wanted you to be able to tell a little bit more about the, some of the things this summer that have helped, that have, that triggered that yes. extra layer of growth. But you know what? I feel like this is going to be perfect for next month yes, to be able to talk two. about because, yeah, I feel like um, maybe other things like just, I feel like more of that story will have evolved yes. even by the next time we talk. Um, so we can learn more about your process with your dad. And who knows what space I'll be in. Yes. Maybe another wave of grief will hit. I know. Okay. So um, we'll go ahead and I guess call it a wrap for today. Um, Yeah. It's been such a great morning. Yeah. So um, Alessandra, one more time, your information if people want to. Yep. AlessandraDuke.com or SeattleLadyBosses.com if you want to check out some entrepreneurship in the city. Yeah. yeah, And the meeting next week, right? Monthly meeting meeting is next week. On, the, on July 10th. Yes. There's also a couple of tickets. We've partnered up with the Seattle Storm. So oh. there's a, a social event that's happening before the game that night. So go to seattleladybosses.com. Find us there or alessandraduke.com. Yes. And if you want to hear more of the story about me and my ex-husband, um, then I invite you to download my book for free. The book is Unhitched, Unlock Your Courage and Clarity to Unstick Your Bad Marriage. And there are several chapters in there that are really devoted to our story so you can learn a little bit more. And I feel like that book, I wrote it to honor him as well as uh, heal. So go to unhitchedbook.com. That's unhitchedbook.com. And uh, let's see. You've been listening to Sunny in Seattle. What's coming up next week? Oh, interesting. Shelby Forsythia on grief. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Of course. Anyway. Thank you guys for listening, um, and I guess we'll catch you next week.